Hi, it's Rachel McElroy. Hey, it's Griffin McElroy. And it's wonderful. It's coming at you fresh. It's coming at you uh, hot. <laughs> I'm trying, trying something new. Hey, it's Griffin. Mm. <laughs> hey, what's up? It's Griffin and Rachel. <laughs> it's your girl. It's your girl and your boy, Rachel and Griffin. Uh, here for another show of podcast. <laughs> I don't like the grunting. I feel like I have to flex a little bit. If this is the, that's like, that felt like the right energy for me. Okay, okay. Just a sort of like uh, MTV spring break, like, it's Griffin. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Did you ever, were you ever at an age where you saw MTV spring break and thought, man, it looks like fun. I'd like to be out there. No, It wasn't for you and me. Well, okay, let's not. All right, it wasn't for me. Yeah, I think. I mean, I could, I could have danced up on a stage. <laughs> Super duper duper cool. Uh-huh. Me and K- Kurt Loder, just like <laughs> yeah, Kurt Loder, Kurt Loder, Fam- known, famous known dancer. <laughs> Kurt Loder was always old. You know, I adore Kurt. I got to meet Kurt Loader when I did the street team stuff. I had had lunch with him and Sway, and it was one of the most memorable (laughs) meals of my entire life. Sway just sat down with us like, hey, what's up? Can I sit here? And we were like, yes, Sway, you can because you're Sway. Anyway, (laughs) we are, I worry, narrow casting to people with a deep well Can I be honest? I don't even know. I don't even know who Sway is. Oh, my God, babe. I've only heard of Sway through your mentioning of this very specific experience. This very specific luncheon that I had. Yeah. yeah. Kurt Loder and Sway. Um, Do you have any small wonders before we really get into the nitty gritty of it? The the meat of the matter? Do you want to go first? (laughs) Uh... I've been having trouble sleeping lately. Yeah. Which means I've been dipping my toe back into the waters of ASMR. Oh. And I like a a weird ASMR at this point. When I say, I guess that is an incredibly loaded and nonspecific Yeah, what makes a weird ASMR? I like the ones where it's like, we're going to put this like 3D microphone into like a bunch of Orbeez and it's like yeah that sounds pretty good actually can I tell you something that's maybe revealing about me yeah and and my own fears of intimacy yeah uh is that ASMR feels like something like uh, like I'm not supposed to be doing it's it's inherently (laughs) quite intimate and there's there are uh, I, I mean smarter folks than I have certainly uh waxed philosophical about the sort of like neurological link between the that yeah. sort of stim, stimulation response and like a the feeling of ooh this is a you're whispering in my ears like yeah. it's really, it is tough to uh separate that out but i find that i don't know it uh there there are uh, like a few videos that i find are genuinely quite helpful for it works yeah mellowing me mellowing me out i yeah. think the same part of me that doesn't like someone touching my face yes. also doesn't like asmr for sure for sure <laughs> I, I i don't i'm i don't get into a lot of talking though like there's a lot of videos that's just like this is we're gonna submerge your head in a bucket of orbeez and yeah like, see that's better then you're not like, like in relationship that. with the orbeez <laughs> yeah no yeah i like to keep a, 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 a distance away from my ears and people on the internet's sort of mouth sounds uh, but Orbeez <laughs> dunk my head right in those nasty balls. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go. 
God. I hope nobody extracts that terrible phrase you just said out loud. I just assume everybody's <laughs> just ripping our sound quotes out to make like weird, deep, fake <laughs> voicemails for themselves and stuff. Uh, certainly that was enough time. Yes. Uh, I am going to say uh, like a, a jumperoo, a bouncer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is, uh, of course, for the babies. Yeah, sure. Uh, before they can stand up and jump on their own, you can put them in this device designed to allow them to to live that dream. Yeah. And uh, our youngest little Gus, he he is so delighted by it. Yes. It's like you can tell that he's like, I can't normally do this. Uh-huh. It's really, <laughs> it's turbo empowering for a baby who yeah. like- I can't crawl yet, but you put me in this special device and I can fucking jump really high. <laughs> yeah. That's outrageous. Yeah, it doesn't matter like what time of day or how many times he's been in it. Every time he gets in, he's like, I'm "What? Are ups- you kidding me? I'm upright." Yeah, it's great. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, our boys are really good right now. They're getting good now. They're really good now. I mean, they're all we love them with our our our, our soul. Uh, the core of our our existence, right? But yeah. it's also there. There have been highs and lows. And, and uh, uh, those of you that listened to our early episodes with the second one uh, know that that he was quite an angry infant uh, and complete one eighty. Complete one eighty. Total dr- total dreamboat now. Yeah. And him and Henry have been like goofing around together. Oh shit! That's so good. It's such good stuff. <laughs> I feel it's funny, like, we do this show where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into, and if we were being 100%, like, with the audience all the time, like, it would just be us talking about our kids nonstop, because they do things that are so delightful and, like, soul-nourishing literally all the time, Uh, but I feel like that is, uh, I don't know, that's like... Probably a thing that I'm sure some folks like hearing about and stuff, but I don't know that we could sustain a podcast out of, well, okay, Henry Well, is. and also, like, nobody likes your kid as much as you like your kid. That's another you know, point. I, I find that even, like, we have friends who have children whose children are approximately the same age that we see all the time, and when they talk to me about their kids... I just know I'm not as interested as they think I might be. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that, but that's true of not just. I mean, that's true of anybody, right? That's true yeah. of any parent. Uh, in uh, on the so I, I just assume the listener who has no real vested interest in our children is like, yeah, cool. I just want to say to our friends who do listen to our podcast, uh, <laughs> I love hearing about it. Just keep the, keep that train rolling. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why Rachel has taken this stance. It's just the the sparkle and the joy in their voice. I know cannot be matched by me who did not produce their children right sure sure i go first this week i kind of i feel so sure i have glanced off this topic before uh but it is in the like pantheon of things that i think are valuable and life-changing for me gps is like maybe number number one up on there as far as i can tell i talked about geocaching which maybe is where we discussed gps before yeah uh, that sounds right uh because the, and that is partially what inspired this because Ray, uh, henry and i went geocaching at a park uh in, in austin this past weekend and it was super super fun uh did he like get into like i, I don't know what uh technology you used but yeah did, were you like 
looking at a map. Yeah, and, we're looking at a map on my phone and yeah. like had a compass that was like leading our way to it. And before we found the first cache, he was like not super into it. But then we opened it up and he found this little tiny astronaut eraser inside yeah. of it that we replaced with, I think, a Carcassonne piece. And at that point, he was like, hell yes, treasure, <laughs> let's go. Um, but like, I, I, I try very hard not to like go full uh, Andy Rooney on on this podcast, but like this is probably the biggest thing that I feel like folks born into like smartphones yes. uh, don't really, d- cannot appreciate is the fact that like when you used to leave your house to go somewhere new or somewhere that you were unfamiliar with, 50% of the time, you would get lost. Yes. There was just a very, there was a reality um, where you would, if, if somebody showed up to a party that we were throwing and they were two hours late in 2021 and were like, sorry, man, I got lost. I would be like, <laughs> that's baloney. What I used to do a lot uh, is I would print out the directions off of MapQuest. And the problem with that is that if you take a wrong turn, you Even have a little bit. <laughs> if you take one wrong turn, the directions are useless to you unless you're able to like reverse engineer like, OK, I turn left here when I should have turned right. So in order to get back to where I was, I should turn Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and and even then, like, there was a time, a long period of time before MapQuest, right? Like, I feel like uh, by the time I was, like, driving, MapQuest was there for me. And yeah. I definitely took a, a couple of long-ass road trips with, like, 30 pages of MapQuest printed out <laughs> yeah. to get me from point A to point B. I get to drive from Huntington to Boston and back on MapQuest directions, which is wild to me. But at the same time, like one of the last trips I, I, I took pre iPhone, pre like GPS on my um the thing I, you know, take pictures with and post them on the internet, uh I I went to Chicago and on the way back I got lost in Cincinnati for a long time. <laughs> because there's like one on ramp that I just could not find yeah. to get me to the, the, the highway. I drove on the wrong side of the highway for a little bit in Cincinnati, which was Oof. rough. I'd like pull onto the shoulder and just like wait for there to be no cars. Oh god. Anywhere. It was it was terrifying. I mean, when you moved here in twenty eleven, I still didn't have GPS on my phone. Yeah, I, I that's was, that's bonkers. I was to still me. using like a little flip phone because by the time i moved to cincinnati that was just about the time where i had the iphone which like i i would i genuinely would not have done it if i did not have a smartphone with with gps on it because i i i don't like being lost i don't like i don't like that experience i certainly would not have moved to chicago without it uh that is one of the things that you and i have never really had to weather as a couple is the experience of being lost with somebody is so stressful. And I don't know that you and I have ever really had to deal we with that. Definitely. Like when we were in Hong Kong, like on our international trips, certainly we got lost while looking for places. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. Uh, definitely. But just like a restaurant or something, not like, you know, home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like this is the big thing that I take for granted because I use it. A lot, like a few times a week if I'm going somewhere, even places I've been before, right? Oh, like, yeah. There are uh, some kids' activities that I like to do with Henry here in Austin that are like a good 30, 40 minutes away from from the city. And even though I've been to them dozens of times, I still don't f- like fuck around with that. Like I'll punch it into my phone because that takes one second 
and it saves me from driving the wrong direction for yeah. a half hour. Um, so GPS, the, by the way, I'm using that term sort of generically, like the capital GPS global positioning system is owned and operated by the U.S. government. It's op- actually operated by the Space Force, uh, previously known as the, what, U.S. Air Force Space Command before it was split off into its own independent branch of the military, which is still bonkers to me. But there's like other you know, countries, other other world powers with their own global positioning systems and independent tech and stuff like that. I'm talking about specifically map on the phone or special map <laughs> electronics that you can have in your car. Um, it it th- th- that technology unsurprisingly has like a long lineage tracing like all the way back to like radio navigation in the early 20th century. Uh, in the sixties, like, especially during the space race, like work toward GPS tech was done and all of that stuff was very classified. And so it's hard to sort of know, to pinpoint the exact origins of it. But in 1973, the department of defense created a 24 satellite array that would go up into orbit and then would, you know, help you figure out where you are in relation to whatever satellites were visible to your device at that time. That Do was you know? that was 1973. It wouldn't become fully operational until like 1995. Do you have any and and I, and I am not trying to put you on the spot, but do you have any understanding of how satellites like how do they get them where they want them to be and how do they make sure they stay there? I mean, it's it's very complicated s- stuff from yeah. what I uh, f- I mean, they get them up there like they get anything up into space, which is to say they they boost that shit. They, yeah. th- they, they thrust that shit up there uh, and then get it into a, you know, geosynchronous. That's not what that word means. An orbit that will like. Yeah, but they have to like, how do they pick a spot and then they put it and it just like doesn't just float away (laughs) well because it stays in orbit around earth and as long as like the momentum of it doesn't doesn't i mean it won't change because there's no and and i'm sure they have little like uh correctional thrusters and stuff in case they need to put a little bit of english on because there's always stuff like debris you know sure yeah i i don't know like I always kind of took for granted the idea that there were satellites and they helped us know things about our Earth. But right. I just in this moment now, I'm like, how? But what? How are they still there? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the the uh, like U.S. owned and operated global positioning system is main, is made out of at this point 31 satellites. That's it. By the way, which yeah. seems like not very many satellites Does it for for space. <laughs> yeah, and I think like back in the day, it was like if if four of them could see you at any point, like they could, you know, not triangulate, square quadrangulate your position. <laughs> um, but today, you know, there are more satellites, and so it is easier to sort of get more accuracy to uh, when i was geocaching with henry it was like you're one and a half feet away from it like holy shit space (laughs) eyes you can tell that yeah um well you know how they know it's uh the vaccines the vaccines do it's it's just a bunch of tiny satellites that you put right in your that's not true please get vaccinated holy shit um it's just like, this entire field of like cartography and navigation 
was supplanted by this technology that became incredibly ubiquitous, incredibly fast. Like I bought an iPhone and th- and there were other what was it TomTom Tom was like the one that you could yeah. get there were like GPS or Garmin Garmin yeah like things that you could like <laughs> buy our you know uh, 1999 Jeep Grand Cherokee it's got a Garmin in it that's like <laughs> just right there right on it and now it's like well I just plug my phone into the shit but like this was a thing a hum a, a like <laughs> human civilization experience of like I got to get from here to there. Time to figure out how. And some people were good at it, and some people were bad at it. And there were entire industries based around like here is a here's an atlas of the, all the highways of uh you know Tennessee. <laughs> and then they were like, but now you just do it on the phone, and all that shit is now completely yeah. irrelevant. Yeah, and that's wild to me. Whenever that happens to any kind of huge thing, that it can be just sort of replaced overnight. Um, <laughs> There's so many comedians that had bits about folding maps and how difficult it was. Those are and, gone, now. and now none of it matters. It those are just done now. Um, I don't know. I I find I find it very uh, from from a just sort of like conceptual standpoint. I find GPS the fact that it works kind of remarkable yeah. the fact that it is uh everywhere pretty remarkable the fact that you don't really get lost anymore and the reducing the amount of anxiety that that caused me which is to say a tremendous amount of anxiety yeah, because i don't completely. have a a, a a keen navigational sense remarkable like it's it is uh it's very cool and it is the kind of thing that like in my lifetime i didn't have and then I'm probably among one of the final generations of yeah. whom that is true. Yeah. And this is not like a, you kids today don't know. Like, I'm genuinely glad that kids today won't experience the anxiety of dr- driving the wrong way down a highway in Cincinnati for two yeah. hours. Uh, but it is novel to me that, like, that's that's a thing that happened to us and then probably won't happen to the folks who come after us. Like right after us. Yeah, to just like to have the comfort of knowing that when our children are old enough to drive and they are going somewhere. I pulled over at a gas station and borrowed their phone to call dad. Like, hey, I'm I'm lost. And he's like, where are you? And I'm like, a gas station (laughs) in Cincinnati. There are trees outside. Like, (laughs) oh, man. Yeah, I did. I've I've definitely done that before, where it's just like I am on this highway near this exit. I can tell you that, and then just sitting on the phone with my dad. Being, I can see your dad at the fucking command center. No, I <laughs> not to not to uh, to ruin your impression, but neither of my parents are particularly good with directions. <laughs> well, they still print out MapQuest directions, which I admire tremendously. Uh, can I steal you away? Yes, thank you. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. 
These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Got a couple of Jubble Bobs here, and this first one's for Justin, and it's from Tyne, who says, Happy anniversary, Yabies. I am so thankful for your unconditional love and support. I'm grateful for all the laughs we have shared together listening to all the McElroy content over the past decade. Cheers to 12 years and counting. You are a force all on your own, and there is no greater privilege than to love you for a lifetime. Tyne and Zoe. Have we really been creating content? for 10 calendar years. I think maybe even closer to 11. Me and you, no. No, I suppose not. We've known yeah. each other for about 10 years. You met me at the- More than 10 years now. Prime of my life. <laughs> the, when I said my most sort of- It's just been a- Supple. Steep decline. All downhill then. from that supple young gentleman. Oh, can I read this next one? Of course. It's for Brunch Squad and from Chess. Back at it again with the Brunch Squad loving. Y'all, I can't believe it's only been two and a half years since that faithful, spontaneous brunch in Nashville. I can't thank you enough for the love and support you send year-round. You are my family. I can't wait to hold all eight of you collectively in my arms again. Until then, so much love, Chess. Starting to think Chess might be a secret octopus. If you're trying to hold eight <laughs> people in your arms all at once, the only way that works, spatially speaking, is if Chess is an octopus that learned how to do internet stuff. 
And shout out to friends of the show, Brunch Squad. Yes, shout out to Brunch Squad. I always love hearing about them, Uh, what they're up to. Sure, sure, sure. But can we get back to this octopus-human hybrid that listens to our show? Yes, and And has money to... To, with which to purchase and secure a Jumbotron. I think it's a wingspan thing. I don't think you necessarily need oh. all the arms. I think you, you need a, a good reach. I see. Yes. No, it's a definitely <laughs> okay. octopus. From the internationally acclaimed creators of Who Shot Ya comes the movie podcast Maximum Film. Starring producer and film festival programmer Drea Clark as a woman bound by passion. I saw this eight months ago on the festival circuit, and I loved it. Film critic Alonzo Duralde as a man corrupted by greed. Why watch one Hallmark Christmas movie when I can watch seven? And comedian Ifiwadiwe as a man protecting a love that society simply won't accept. I think Pacific Rim is a perfect movie. And if you can't accept that, then I want you out of my life! From the makers of the movie podcast Who Shot Ya comes Maximum Film. That's right, we changed the name of our show to Maximum Film. But don't worry, we're still a movie review show that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. So tune into Maximum Film at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You want to know my thing? I bet I can guess what it is. Well, don't cheat. Wink! It's carrots. Oh. No. Whoa! No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Carrots, come on. They're terrible. (laughs) In the ground. That's not true. I love carrots so much. I know, I do too. Next week, carrots. Next week. Look out for it. (laughs) You can put them in a soup. You can dip them. Bunnies eat them. The sound they make is excellent. Yep. No, it's a uh, trip to the poetry corner. I'm just gonna keep walking down this <laughs> down this fretboard until you tell me to stop. There it is. <laughs> Sometimes I like to see how long you can go before you just instantly start singing that. Inevitable. (laughs) Uh, So this poetry corner was actually motivated by a listener. Oh, hey! Which is not something I've done before, but uh, Milo Ray on Instagram reached out to me uh, and said that they review books professionally and recently read a poetry collection that made them think of me. And... Typically, I, you know, would or wouldn't, you know, I don't have a strong process for taking recommendations, but I just said, okay, I'm looking for new poetry. Sure. And I found the new collection of poetry and the first collection of poetry from Rachel Long called My Darling from the Lions. Now, did you just pick this poet because they got the same name as you? Ah, Ah. you got me. I bet for you, that's that's like a real... Never, ever, ever happens. <laughs> that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's just me and Griffin Newman out here sort of holding, uh-huh. holding it down. Uh-huh. And appropriately, we do get confused for each other, I think, a great deal. Because <laughs> it's just the two of us. Uh-huh. We can make it if we try. <laughs> uh, Rachel Long. Uh, so this, this book, actually, uh, she is a UK poet. And it was released in the UK in 2020, and then uh, Tin House picked it up here, and it just came out this month. Oh wow! In the US, um, and it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Um, What's it like for you finding like a new poet the, it, like these days? 
Because I know you're not like like constantly seeking it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was in Chicago, Chicago has such a like crazy, vibrant literary community. There are readings constantly. And so I was finding new poets literally every week. Uh, And then that time in my life ended. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there are definitely poets that come to Austin, Texas. I'm just very removed from that scene. So I went years without finding a new poet. And now, like, I've kind of taken it on as job a little bit. Yeah. Uh, And so it's very exciting. I have... You know, when I, when I was in school, I had a very academic sensibility and then I kind of returned to my preschool sensibility of like, I just want something that I can sit down and read and enjoy, not something I have to like look up 25 references for. Uh, And Rachel Long is, is just a really great, uh, really great poet in that regard. Uh, She writes a lot from her personal experience and seems to just kind of inherently have a sense of what is interesting and important uh because each of her poems like she doesn't write any like uh i ate a really good apple and well no i took a nap yeah yeah (laughs) which can't be a good poem i mean you know i love some william carlos williams you know like my man loves produce for like yeah like a good plum thanks yeah uh but rachel long's poems uh speak really strongly to her personal experience and, and just, but makes it, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to really speak to, to what exactly she's doing. So maybe I'll just, I'll just read one of them. Yeah. I I think that's a great idea. Yeah. The page is wrestling. I love that. This is like an actual book that I bought. Yeah. It's not, yeah. It's it's not one of them cyber books. Uh, This poem is called Thanksgiving. As if by accident, I find my head washed up window side of his bed. After all that fucking, look, the sky is still pinned up. His nose is longer with his eyes shut. This whole time I've been holding, squeezing, ringing, folding, bending, nodding. Thank you, God, for giving me someone who makes me hold my breath. I will be so light upon his life, he won't realize he's kept me. I'll leave not a mark on his pillow, papers, knife, DVDs, or wine glass. What blessing. Only when he is sleeping can I breathe out. So deep my ribs come up like a ship. Wow. Wow. Isn't that great? That's good stuff. Yeah. She... She writes. I a don't lot. appreciate the language. If I'm being on the the coarse language, <laughs> the coarse language. Yeah, no, I know. At the, to- at the top, I know of swearing it. makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, because it's a poem. You know, it's supposed to be like. <laughs> it's supposed to be. A, a, I can't even pretend to be this this person. A little crumb scraper on a table. You yeah, know? that's what a poem is. Yeah, I, I, it's all thou and thou art. <laughs> uh so she she is a um a black woman who has done a lot to speak to the experience of women of color. In fact, uh she is actually a founder of a poetry collective called the Octavia Poetry Collective for Women of Color based at the South Bank Center in the UK. Uh she talks a lot about the experience of being uh what she calls like both the invisible and also hypervisible. And in an interview with the guardian, she talks about how you're either the spokesperson or the translator Yeah, and her experience just in school, like particularly in higher education, like not finding a place for herself and, and being 
you know, like like I said, like invisible, but also hypervisible. Right. Uh, and so that poem uh, kind of gets at that a little bit um, of just this idea of like trying to uh, exist in this space and and be what somebody else wants you to be. Right. You know, and I mean, you know, obviously, I don't, I don't have that exact experience but that experience of being with somebody that you feel is different than you and trying to just keep everything unique about yourself like hidden yeah sure (laughs) you know this idea of like like she doesn't exhale until she knows he's asleep i feel like there are a lot of people that can kind of speak to that experience of like i'm with somebody who you know would see my flaws and see my reality and and and, you, you worry know. this is very uh, a very relatable thing i think for people who have been in a, a maybe not so great relationship yeah. but just like i if i make myself even the smallest bit of a burden yeah this whole thing is just <laughs> yeah yeah um so so her book the the book that i uh am talking about today my Darling from the Lions talks a lot about her growing up uh, and her experience of, you know, being somebody of of mixed race uh, and trying to figure out how to navigate that sure. um, is really powerful. It's really well done and really like, like subtle, but done in a very kind of interesting, exciting way. Um, I read this interview between her and Alice Hiller, who is a uh, a blogger, uh, and she asks kind of about, um, you know, her experience of writing and growing up and kind of how she captured that in her book. Uh, and Rachel Long responded, um, being of dual heritage, I grew up in a white working class area on the outskirts of London. My schools were majoritively white, my friends, half my family. I'm not sure that I thought of myself as black for a long time. Mixed, half-caste, dark, light-skinned, all the rest of it, but not black particularly. That was an understanding, a knowledge, and an acceptance of a self that I had to carve out later. As I grew up, as left that estate as I read, spoke, and understood myself within a much wider context. When I was a girl, I thought you had to choose what color you were. I remember sitting in the back seat of my dad's car, dad driving, mom in the passenger seat, and suddenly thinking you must choose now whether you want to be white like dad or black like mom. Isn't that disturbing? And as I thought that I get to choose how the world perceives me. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot to take on in a first collection of poetry. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and... And she does it in a way that it feels very intimate and very relatable. And she just talks about like there's there's this great like series of poems about her playing with Barbies when she's a kid and having like a Ken doll and then a black doll like that was Steve. And the experience of like playing with your dolls with Ken and Steve and Ken being this like ideal and Steve being this thing that she is trying to like fit into this world of Barbie and Ken. Uh, it's a really great group of poems. Uh, and I would, I would just, I would recommend it. It's, it's exciting. I feel like to, to find a poet that is this new. Yeah. Uh, and has so much to say in this first collection. And yeah, I would really encourage people to check it out. Rachel Long. Thank you uh, to to uh, Milo. Thank Milo you, Milo, for for yeah. sending that in. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, 
That's nice. I like. I like that you 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 got a uh, you know you a found new friend some, a new friend. <laughs> yeah, no, finding a new poet, especially at the beginning of their career, is really exciting. It's like I mean, it's like finding a you know a new musical artist or yeah, you know, a new uh, I don't know what what resonates with you like a new. Uh... What you're about to say is going to be insane. <laughs> yeah, I can sometimes I can tell when you're like running up to something that's going to be like fake. Demean, like you're not a demeaning person for no, the fact that no. I play a lot of video games, but sometimes you play that character a little bit. So, like, you were thinking, I'm gonna guess, like, it's like when Mario learns a new jump or something like that, or they like announce a new Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, I like to play at you being this character that I think some of the world has reduced you to. Sure, yeah. And then sometimes it feels so mean I can't even get it out of my mouth. Like and, then, like that just was then. Now, yeah, <laughs> that was then. No, and I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. We, we know each other now. <laughs> uh, hey, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for these for our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And uh, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows there. They got so many podcasts. Talk about Maximum Film. Uh, we did a, a, a fun thing with them uh, from a Bim Bam uh, that will be out at some point. Uh, I mean, then you got there's so many freaking shows. Flop House. The Flop House. They just did a live show that I think you can still get tickets for. Yeah. Uh, where they watch the original Mario Brothers movie. That's fun. We have to go right now because somebody's at our front door. But thank you all, and thank you for, for listening. And we'll be back next week. And keep and it up. Keep it. Keep it going. Keep it up. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.